0: Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Mo. And welcome to the first ever episode of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Moan. Maurice, say hello to everybody out there.
1: Hey everybody. Uh you might recognize my voice from Saved by the Balls. Mm-hmm. That was a uh, Mike show. So uh, we hit it off pretty well, and now we have the Mike and Mo show. Yes, so, we do. Uh, that's gonna be what, what it's is gonna be for for the time being for us going forward. We we hope you enjoy the show. We're gonna talk sports, obviously. Uh, a little, maybe a little bit of life experiences. Who knows? Uh, people like to say, well, you guys are should just do sports, and I feel like maybe sometimes you need to throw a little bit of life in there because. Sports is life,
0: isn't it, Mike? Uh absolutely. Without life, there's no sports.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Nice, nice analogy. Thank you. Thank
0: you.
1: <laughs> but you can, uh, you can uh, actually check us out on Twitter. Uh, if if you know me by now, you know I'm very active on Twitter. Just a shade under two thousand followers. So that's not, a lot. not a lot. Just a little bit. You know, I'm a little active. You know, I I like to talk to people on Twitter and debate and. Educate people on sports, NBA uh-huh. and NFL matters, but that's that's here no there. Uh M O E M O T O N. Of course uh, Mike, he can tell you what his Twitter handle is, but our show will also have its own Twitter handle. Yes. And that will be uh Mike Mo Show, just how it sounds is spelled, M-I-K-E-M-O-E, S H O
0: W. And you can hit us up on Facebook with that uh, show name to be determined. We're still ironing out those kinks, but uh, we'll definitely throw that out there and get you up on. Uh, we'll be up on iTunes as well. That should be coming out every Tuesday, uh, depending on uh, when how quickly iTunes allows us to get it up there. But we're working on some fantastic uh, logo and such. Mo's got a very talented artist that we're working with, so we're gonna have the freshest graphic in the game. I promise you that. And you know, right. like Mo said, we're just gonna we're gonna keep you updated. We're gonna keep it happening on everything that's going on in the world you know maybe a little music a little entertainment and but we're always going to try to link it back to sports because again we want to keep it real this is a sports talk show but we also there's a lot that goes on in our lives that we want to keep you updated to, and we want to hear from you guys so hit us up on those uh hit us up on those social media accounts but things.
1: i mean my my life isn't as interesting
0: as much yeah but, um, yeah right yeah so you probably
1: hear more about his
0: life than mine but <laughs> we to get into that right now yeah we'll, we'll just... save that for episode two all right so we're here to talk trades trades that happened some trades that didn't trades that should have but uh you know
1: (laughs) some some debaucheries from some teams you you know
0: there was a couple of ugly things a couple like that guy plays in the nba there's a couple of those yeah
1: that guy's still here yeah
0: like who who's that guy but (laughs) i think the one that kind of started it off and the one that was kind of near to where i'm at at least in orlando was tobias harris i mean uh when he's kind of the biggest name that's traded the entire, you know, the whole build-up, and he's the name that's sent to Detroit for Irsan Ilisova, and Brandon Jennings, it kind of makes you shake your head and, and think, wow. But, it, you know, it's, it's an interesting deal, at least for, for me, because... I kind of felt the Magic shouldn't have re-signed Tobias in the offseason anyway. I mean, he got a four-year, $64 million deal for a guy who's got the potential label but hasn't really ever put it together for one reason or the other, be it injury or just kind of a lack of, uh, I don't know, heart? I, he just hasn't hasn't really shown to me that this guy is all about it. I mean, the, he was most he was most impressive when he was like, I want to play for the Knicks. That that was the most joy that he showed for the game. I mean, Trust me, the Knicks will take him right now if they could. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, new.
1: I hate to down the kid from uh from New York, but uh, what Mike said is absolutely right. I mean, he just he's just not he's a good player. I wouldn't say great. He he could be a decent piece to a good team. The Pistons aren't necessarily a good team, but the Pistons needed to dump an expiring contract in Jennings. Mm-hmm. They are already committed to their backcourt. They have a young uh Pope Kenwell Pope uh contavious Contavius Pope, Pope, KCP. <laughs> we'll go with I ACP.
0: like him. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> he's uh, he's the young shooting guard there, and then you have uh, Reggie Jackson, mm. who's already on a five-year, eighty million million dollars deal. Yeah. So the only logical thing would be to do is to get rid of the expiring contract and acquire a player who can you know improve improve the look of your team. Now, Tobias has got some injury concerns, some nicks and bruises, nothing really serious, but he's he has missed time over the last couple of years. So that's something to keep an eye on with the Pistons. Of course, they have Andre Drum, Drummond already there. They have Marcus Morris playing pretty well, who was for a long time considered the less talented Morris brother, mm. but he's playing well under Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. So we'll see how that works out.
0: Yeah, no, and Stan Van should get something out of him. I mean, I just feel that this was kind of a... Uh in water, kind of a move for the Magic. I mean, you did resign this guy. You obviously you traded Reddick for him a couple of years ago, so you wanted to keep him in the in the stable because he does have talent. He has a lot of upside. I feel they should have packaged him for a bigger uh, a bigger trade. And I, I put this out on Twitter, and I got kind of blasted for it because I was trading away everybody and their mother that played for the Magic that they had
1: drafted. Yeah, yeah, my one thing that I will tell you, being the Twitter guy that I am, mm-hmm. don't don't listen to to the people, <laughs> the Twitter Everyone trolls, on Twitter. Everyone on Twitter is a troll. Mm-hmm. Is the smartest person in the world? I shouldn't say that. The Raiders fans are pretty nice to me on Twitter. By oh, okay. Way. But um, quick shout out to them. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but as far as like. Being a Twitter GM, I, I I just put my ideas out there, and if you disagree, you disagree. If you if you don't,
0: cool, whatever. Yeah, no, it, it's it's totally totally sensible, it makes sense. But at least for me, you traded a guy who's getting he was getting paid a lot of money. His salary is going to bounce off Brandon Jennings. But you got Jennings, who's a point guard who's not going to play over Payton, and if he does, then Alfred Payton is pretty much shot because what what are you saying to him then that he's not the future point guard? You got Illa Silva, who I heard on the radio is now going to be the starting four. Which what does that say for Aaron Gordon after you know? He electrified the world with his dunks, doesn't necessarily have a jump shot, which in in my world is more important than all those dunks. The game has changed and the Golden State Warriors have perfected it already. They're way ahead of the curve. But yeah, you want a guy to shoot. Absolutely. It's super important. And I hope for the Magic's sake that they they shed this salary. They should have upwards of $44 million to spend this summer. I don't know where they plan on spending that money. One report came out that says they're going to go all out for uh, Al Horford. I don't know if he's a max player by any stretch of your imagination, especially when you've got Nick Vukovic. Uh, and I know they play two different types of games. Nick is is more of a uh, you know not a banger. He likes to shoot as well, but he's not gonna. He's not a great defensive player where Al Horford does. But again, you, you just now you've got two kind of logjam positions down in the block, and you, and now Aaron Gordon's coming off the bench. Are you hoping to get Kevin Durant to come to Orlando? Because I don't see him leaving yeah. Oklahoma City yeah. for Orlando. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not happening. He's no. not going from Oklahoma City to Orlando, so we we can just you know get the Kevin Durant dream. I know you're in Orlando, <laughs> you're probably hoping for this in your dreams,
0: but yeah, well, you yeah, know, that
1: can happen.
0: The Magic just like and the coaches said it. Scott Skiles, the first year coach of Magic, has said that the Magic need a guy that consistently can score, I, and they don't have that. Uh, Victor Oladipo has not turned out to be that guy as of yet. Uh, Fournier. He's streaky. Uh, Mario Zonia, who was a top five pick, maybe. There's just the Magic have too many maybes, and that's why I would have packaged Paris, Peyton, Oladipo, and whoever else could have gotten me a major name, a star player, somebody like a Blake Griffin that you could actually hang your hat on that you, could, that you can say is going to give me 20 and 20 a night, 25 and 20.
1: You mean... Punch
0: you in the face? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. My man, when he's not punching people, he's knocking down 14 footers. Yeah, that guy.
1: I shouldn't I mean, he apologized. He was sincere about it. But, I mean,. With the Orlando Magic, they haven't had a real legitimate star since, what, Dwight Howard? Yeah. So, I mean, stars leave Orlando. They don't come to Orlando. That's a shame. The hardest thing about the Orlando Magic and their franchise is they're going to have to draft very well. And it doesn't seem like they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're a couple of spots behind the eighth spot. Mm -hmm. And they probably won't leapfrog uh, Detroit or Charlotte. So you're going to have to look for the draft and probably... uh, an early to mid round pick to kind of improve the team somewhere. I don't know if you go power forward, if Aaron Gordon and uh, Erskine Elisabeth don't work out, or you go for another position, make a trade. If, if they have options, but they have to be really careful what they do.
0: Yeah, they got to be careful because the last couple of years they've been drafting best available. They haven't been drafting by need because they really didn't need Hazonia. They didn't really need Aaron Gordon when they drafted him. They wore the best available on the board. Uh, it might just be time to start trading some of these draft picks for people that are that are proven. But again, not my job, uh, you know, to say who does what. But, you know, I hope for the best because it's a beautiful arena, the Amway Arena. So if you ever catch a game, you know, it's uh, get one of those luxury boxes. It's the way to go, if you know what I'm saying.
1: You can't, they have a lot. Of- there are a lot of people filling up seats for the game. So, Whoa, uh, that's, that's a <laughs> low blow. You, you will have space to kind of stretch out your legs and
0: arms and kind of just get, get real comfortable.
1: But, you know, we're, yeah. we're not going to take shots at, at attendance. There are a lot of things to do out I
0: there. Think for, you already, I think you did take a shot, but we'll move on from that anyway. To another guy who used to, used to suit up for the magic. Uh, Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee's headed to Charlotte as part of a three- team deal involving the Grizzlies. Uh, from Charlotte, the Grizzlies are going to receive a former North Carolina tar heel, PJ Harrison, uh, Charlotte's 2018 second rounder and Brooklyn's 2019 second rounder. Which the Hornets acquired last summer from Miami, Memphis gets Chris Birdman Anderson, Miami's second rounder for two thousand seventeen, which is a top forty protected, plus Boston's two thousand nineteen second rounder, which is a top 55 <laughs> protected. I, is everybody lost yet? Because I'm totally confused. Yeah, because I'm I'm pretty much I'm pretty much lost. I'm just listening to this. Yeah, and listening to
1: it for the first time, and it just sounds so confusing. I mean. If you break down the meat of it, basically um, the Charlotte Hornets had gotten a marginal shooter, yeah, and Courtney Lee. Mm -hmm. And Courtney Lee was a again, he was he was a corner shooter basically for Memphis, and Memphis needed scoring. But that shows you how much good he was at what he was supposed to do for Memphis. Only because they just let him go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for Birdman, yeah,
1: defensive team, and I didn't know Birdman was still in the league.
0: Well, yeah, he's got to pay for all those tattoos. I mean, mean, they're not cheap.
1: My goodness, after after the uh, Miami run, I, I had no idea where he went, so I guess we, we found
0: Birdman. Hey, okay. more power to Birdman, still playing in the league when some people didn't even know about it. So Keep signing them checks, Birdman. Absolutely. Now, here, there's a trade that happened today that I'm a little upset because the Magic didn't get a draft pick by trading Tobias Harris. Now, we've already talked about this, but the Pistons are acquiring, and tell me if I've mispronounced this, Donatas Montejunas and uh my man marcus thornton from the rockets <laughs> and what they I, all they go ahead no go ahead i should thought it was oh yeah, yeah him too that's his cousin uh, <laughs> and houston houston is getting joel anthony who used to play for the heat uh and a protected first round pick a first round pick for Montejunas, Eunice, and marcus thornton uh, I, I don't know what to say because it's a top eight protected and top ten protected the next two years, but they've already come out and said the Pistons that they're, they 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 might waive Marcus Thornton, which I, I'm totally confused because I, what are they trading for? Who are they getting? And Monty Unis. yeah, Monte Eunice. So so what was the point of even taking Thornton? Who I, actually I think is a pretty good complimentary guy off the bench.
1: I mean, you're right. He could be a pretty good uh, bench piece, but I, I mean, I guess it was it was a roster decision, and and they're like, hey, we'll just take the better player of the two that we brought over. Monte Units can actually be a pretty good role player of the bench. I liked him on Houston. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard missed some time, you know, during his season with back issues. No, back Dwight back. Howard, he didn't play. He was hurt. He was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dwight Howard's. Uh, he's. Uh, you
0: know, pretty, it's pretty durable. Yeah, real real durable, like a rubber band. Surprisingly, quote unquote,
1: surprisingly set out. <sighs> Monte was able to fill in the blanks and, and kind of, he played well. You know, he could play forward, he could play small forward, played a little bit of center when, you, when the Rockets went small. So I believe that the Pistons two good moves for the Pistons, bringing Harris and, and Monte Eunice, Again, with same with Harris, Montius has to stay healthy. He's coming over injured, so he just hope that these get these guys on the court and actually play some ball.
0: Yeah, it, it's very true. I mean, staying healthy is a big key. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you look at you look at we're gonna go back to Orlando just because I want to. Uh, you know that Channing Fry was was just recently dealt, and you know I'm not making okay. this up. I'm not making this up. Channing Fry was dealt. He was dealt for Anderson Varejao, who's actually headed to uh, Portland. It's a three team deal. And it's believed that he, too, is going to be waived shortly after. And, again, this is just a Orlando Magic salary dump. They get a second-round pick. And Jared Cunningham, who also is going to be waived immediately, I'm told. So it just looks like teams are shedding salary. The Cavs actually saved $10 million in luxury taxes alone. So, again, the Magic are, are stockpiling for that Kevin Durant run this summer. Um, and What? The, the, thing,
1: I the thing is, I, 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 I'm sorry, but I sat and I watched the ESPN telecast for about 10 minutes of them breaking down Shannon Fry. Ugh. Sh- Shannon Fry. Like, seriously, we're, we're breaking down Sharon, Shannon Fry for 10,
0: 15 minutes? He was good. When he was in Arizona, he was phenomenal. but he, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that. Wasn't he supposed to be
1: good? "Quote unquote good" when he landed on the Knicks. Yeah, title. he was
0: he was drafted first round by the Knicks, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, he can shoot, he can stretch the floor." And I was just like, "Nope, he's un- he's like one hundred and thirty five pounds. <laughs> like it's just not gonna work. Like it just not. It just hasn't worked. I mean, he's made it. He's made a great living. He got severely overpaid by the Magic. Like I think it was a three year fifty three million dollar deal. It's great for him, and the Magic just love to overpay for guys. And okay, so." It's, they're still shedding salary, so... It's, it's uh,
1: all love shedding, Fred. nothing against you. No, uh, it's
0: just they, the magic. They, have, they don't they know how to spend money.
1: up your role in, on Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is obviously just trying to get complimentary parts so that when they make their run, they have some depth. I feel like this is a move to to kind of go, go against the Golden State Warriors when they make the finals because we all know the Cavaliers... Are gonna make the the NBA finals because there's no one in the East that's gonna stop
0: them. No, there's really no. So
1: uh, let's say the Golden State Warriors go small. You got Shannon Fry who's who's a big by height, but obviously plays away from the basket. So, you'll be able to have that player that's not stuck to the hoop. You know, you can kind of switch him in Moscow depending on what the matchups are.
0: Absolutely. no, That's very true. Uh, another deal in the, we'll stay in the East, is uh, Seize, your favorite player, Markeith Morris, was actually traded to Washington for a 2016 first rounder. It is protected, top nine. Uh, and they are going, you're going to see Chris Humphreys, uh, Mr. Kardashian, ex Mr. Kardashian, and Dewan Blair, who also still in the NBA, going back to Phoenix. What? That, that's he's still a, it. That's Seriously? a trade. Yeah, yeah. He's still. Remember, remember when he was really good on San Antonio.
1: I was I was just gonna bring that up. He was actually a really good player at San Antonio, a really nice power forward. So I mean, Greg Popovich, magic. I don't know what that was, but yeah. he
0: just disappeared. And we after knew that. we knew that Marquise was gonna get traded after he nearly came to blows with his teammate, going on what a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I mean, this was a trade that everybody saw. So I mean, I guess good for good for Phoenix for getting something for this guy because he's obviously a head case. Yes, talented, but he just destroys the locker rooms.
1: He, I mean, once they separated him from his twin brother, Marcus,
0: Oh, you know, was God, distance. I can't hear that anymore. I heard that the other day, and I'm just like, dude, you're a professional athlete. If you want to play with your brother, like, get over it at this point. Hey,
1: hey Mike, do you, do you have a twin?
0: Do, do you have a twin <laughs> that you've been really attached to? Because unless
1: you have a twin, I don't think you can talk about Marcus. <sighs> because twins, technically, I hear this all the time. Twins have a special connection with each other, and once you separate them it's kind of detrimental to their psyche. You, you know, you kind of ruin their, their, their aura a little bit. So. Uh, they
0: should have worked it into their contract that they have to play with each other all the time forever. Otherwise, what is the point anymore?
1: Yeah, well, you know, they, they're both on the East Coast now, so hopefully being uh, being able to play each other three, four times a year helps with his, uh, his psychological issues or whatever mental deficiencies he's having
0: away from his brother. So we'll see how that works out. Best of luck with that, Markeith. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the Thunder, who traded a bunch of guys who were good in college. DJ Augustine (laughs) and Steve Novak are headed to Denver with two second-round picks for Randy Foy. That's a a fantastic group of point guards from 2006. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs)
1: Oh man. I mean I mean two thousand six isn't well yeah it is. It was yeah. It, it ago, but, Do you uh, remember
0: how good Randy Foy was at uh Villanova that like oh is it uh the point guard Well, Lowry. Lowry was his backup.
1: Oh seriously, yeah. I, I actually didn't have an idea. You wouldn't know that judging by their NBA careers right now. Absolutely, right?
0: I mean you, amazing.
1: Uh the the trade obviously is is very uh it's not something we, we wanna go into detail about, no. but we'll see mm-hmm. this. Um the Thunder basically just acquired a shooting guard, and and the Denver Nuggets just acquired a backup point guard.
0: Basically. And that's
1: pretty much all. Sure. That,
0: yeah, that's that's pretty
1: much oh. where we're going. Teams okay. just swapping their uh, their bench role players mm-hmm. who will have minimal roles going forward.
0: And we're gonna stick with that theme. We're going to continue on with Lance Stevenson being traded to Memphis for Jeff Green and a 2019 1st round pick. This just seems like another story is a, a story of guys who could have been and. Just need a fresh start, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I fall for it every year. Every year I say, hey, Jeff Green, this could be his year he could break out. This this could be his year. This could be his year. And I find that I see that too often.
0: And then, uh, I mean, I don't know how many more trades you saw, but I saw only one more of somebody actually I've ever heard of, and his name is Kirk Heinrich. I mean, it just seems like college point guards of yesteryear are just being traded like, pongs from back in the day because he got traded to uh, Atlanta for a second round pick part of a three-team deal with somebody named Justin Holiday and Shelvin Mack and oh my goodness
1: hey 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 hey. he's going back to Atlanta and Atlanta traded away Shelvin Mack to the Utah Jazz I believe so Mm -hmm. I guess backup role mentorship locker room presence type of thing I mean that's that's usually the reason why these players get shifted around anyway it's it's a bunch of contract dumps locker room type of deals know, so just kind of boosting up benches you know the major moves are done in the offseason at this point but this seems like a move that Atlanta felt like okay we're just gonna acquire a backup and Chicago felt like okay we're just gonna dump off the salary
0: I just think it's too bad because this uh, this NBA season has been I don't know underwhelming to say the least and there could have been moves made like Dwight Howard going somewhere, and maybe Blake Griffin, Kevin Love. There could have been guys traded that could have possibly changed a playoff race, but instead, everybody's like you said, is standings pat. They're going to wait till the summer when the salary cap goes up exponentially, and there's some free agents out there that also can help a team. But it's kind of just, it's kind of just. I don't know. It seems like this is the norm now for the NBA. Nothing really happens during the season. We got to wait. To get excited till July, which is kind of a shame because it seems like everybody's giving up. We're going to play it out with Cleveland winning the East, and it's either going to be Golden State or San Antonio to play them in the finals.
1: The thing is, with these, with the trade deadlines, you got to understand that. Well, people have to understand that. With expiring contracts, once you acquire a player with expiring contract, you don't know if that player is going to stay or not. So you don't number one, you don't want to give up too much, and then number two, it's like, do we do we take in this player and give up something, or do we, you know, gamble on him and maybe staying if we make a push? And for teams that are not in the playoff picture, when you acquire a good player, chances are he's not going to stay. <laughs> and I mean, if he had his choice, unless he's going for the money and you have you know a ton of cap space, fine. But if you if a player wants to win and he wants money, then he's not going to stay on the team that needs 12th at the moment. So, I mean, that's why there's a lack of action at the deadline nowadays, and you have, as you mentioned, the salary cap is going up, so players are looking at their paycheck for the for next year.
0: Well, let's just hope the summertime brings uh, some more excitement, and, you know, I'm sure the draft will be interesting, although, and I don't really want to get into it, the state of college basketball is a whole nother story in itself that the talent is so watered down that a guy like... Ben Simmons, who has a lot of talent, who has very little jump shot and doesn't really take over a game, is going to be the by far, hands down, the number one pick going anywhere from Philly to the Lakers. It just doesn't matter where he ends up. He's going number one. So I don't know. I think something needs to be done within the next collective bargaining agreement that they need to get rid of this one-and-done rule. We need to figure out something about expiring contracts and teams tanking because you look at Philadelphia and they drafted Jaleel Okafor with the number, what, was it he was number three last year?
1: Three, I believe. And yes. they're
0: already looking to trade him by gauging interest today. And the Lakers have done the same over the past two months. Uh, with their number two pick and D'Angelo Russell. So out of the top five, you've already got two guys that were drafted that are their teams are quite possibly looking to deal them this summer. How how is that? That's just bad scouting. It's bad decision making because you've taken guys. You've you've tried to change the the entire atmosphere of your team and it's failed already. You're not even gonna give them a Wait, full season.
1: Thing is, I expect this from the seventy I mean, they've yeah. been they've been flipping and trading picks all along and. You know, telling people trust in the process. I know Joel and B had injury issues, and that's not all on Philly. But to to gouge interest in a guy you just drafted, like
0: that's ridiculous. You,
1: just you just picked him at the end, of, at the top of the draft, and now you're you're looking for interest in him to even account take phone calls from him just sounds ludicrous because he's based, he's the best player on your team. Yes, he had his skirmishes and his his problems off the court, but that's that's a testament to needing veterans in the locker room which i just spoke about a lot of teams do when they bring in veterans or 33 35 year olds into the locker room to kind of coach up the young guys to say okay this is how you this is how you be a professional Mm -hmm. you have talent but i'm gonna say this is this is how you handle yourself off the court oh it's just just important philly should have made a move to do that for jaleel okafor considering his issues this year and they didn't, and we'll we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I'm sure Jalil Okafor wouldn't have mind if he were dealt anyway, because who, who oh. wants to play Philly? Yeah, well,
0: you remember his uh, face when he was taking that photo introduced with all the other first round picks this year that Philly made, and he looked like he just wanted to get out of town. He, he was miserable.
1: <laughs> he. I mean, you ever had something on your hands and you just wanted to flick it off because it was disgusting? It's kind of like how he but. Like, Put the 76ers jersey down such, at, at
0: meet today. Oh, just, such a bad look. I mean, man, you're a, you're a pro. I mean, I know you went from Duke to the Sixers, and that Duke team probably could have beat the Sixers, but that, you still can't. You can't You can't look like that. That's not, that's not a good look for anybody. And, but again, this just goes back to my point of teams like the Sixers and teams like the Magic and teams like the Timberwolves that continually get these high first-round picks. They draft these big-name big name college or high school players way back when, and they don't pan out because they don't, like you said, have those – Veteran influences have those big-name coaches that can turn them around. So when is enough enough now now you want to trade those guys right away? No, maybe you need to finally start trading those picks or Trading those guys in their second and third year after they don't pan out And that's my argument with the magic is you should have packaged some of these guys to get a name player that had some years left on His contract that might actually fall in love with the town and the fans instead of Trading, you know, trading a secondary guy like a Channing Fry or trading Tobias Harris who didn't do much for more expiring contracts. <laughs> it's just a cycle that it bothers me because when does it end?
1: It, it, it really doesn't. It, I guess it really depends on the architect of the team. Um, Pat Riley's great at what he does. Oh, yeah. And I what he does and how he builds a team. And he, you can see he has a direction, and he doesn't he doesn't overvalue picks. Like, he, he'll take in a player who can, who can play now instead of putting all your hope into, into an unknown out of college. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, I mean, it's easy to spot great talent. Sometimes you can get fooled. You know, it happens. Uh, Johnny Flynn is one. But um, <laughs> you, you can get fooled, you know, at the top of the draft, even if. So you have to be able to bring in veteran veterans who've proven themselves take you to that next level, and some teams just haven't figured figured it out, and the Sixers definitely haven't figured it out yet.
0: No, they haven't, and let's hope for the good people of Philadelphia that one day they do. Otherwise, I mean, the Eagles are in a bad situation the Phillies oh my goodness and I don't know who plays hockey but it's just not a good look I know it's the Flyers I'm just kidding but it's I feel for the town of Philly my best buddies from Philly and it's a, it's a beloved sports town and at one time all those teams were good but man it's just rough right now so uh, yeah they're just it's mean,
1: especially in basketball, but if you look at it, I don't even know if Philly I mean, there's a draft lottery, so you don't even know if Philly's gonna be the first you know, first pick this year. So they may not get Ben Simmons. So let's say they don't. Oh, no, he's going to the
0: Lakers. Let's let's just I wanna put that down in my book of projections right now.
1: And if he does, I see the Lakers probably trading Don um Randall. Oh yeah. Philly, Randall, because he's I mean they're pretty much the same player, and neither of them can really shoot a three point shot. Mm-hmm. They would have to move, you know, move Randall.
0: Absolutely. That
1: would be the only, only thing I could see happening.
0: Absolutely. That is our NBA 2016 trade deadline recap. Uh, I hope you were as excited as we were to go over it in a, <laughs> in a lackluster day. But I promise it'll get better in July. Until then, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Stay tuned for heroes and zeros. <laughs> Heroes and Zeros. And this is our newest segment. This is a fun segment because it brings uh, brings a little bit of everything to the table. It's Heroes and Zeros. And what we're going to do is we're going to throw a topic at you. And then uh, we're going to respond with uh, basically how we feel. If it was a hero or zero, if it was a big time movement in the world of sports, or if it was uh, terrible. So we'll start with the... Uh, with the Weekend flavor from last weekend, the 2016 NBA All-Star Game in Toronto. And as far as the game was concerned, Mo, what was it for you? Hero or Zero?
1: I would have to say Zero. I mean, these All-Star Games have continuously just gone down the tank where it's just become less competitive. Obviously, people want to see competition. I mean, if you like to see Flash, NBA Jam type of stuff, dunks and three-pointers, then it's for you. But for me, it has to be a Zero.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, it was a track meet. I mean, it was almost 400 points scored. And usually, I, I mean, I watched the game. I i purposely skipped the Walking Dead midseason premiere, which I'm very upset about. Um, yeah. But it was ridiculous because in the fourth quarter, when usually the teams turn it on, or about the eight minute uh, eight minute mark, the game was already out of hand. It was twenty points that the West was up by. So I was like, "What? I just wasted my entire night to get to this." And it was it was the Kobe Bryant exhibition. He was four from eleven okay. from the field for ten points. I mean, he he didn't have it. And you know, it was a lot of emotions. I don't blame him, but it was just it was kind of a debacle across the board. Yes, Paul George went off, but no one was guarding him. So what did you expect? Right.
1: Quick, quick, quick note. Uh, there's this maybe a little. There maybe. Drake may share a little bit of that zero. I mean, if he did the intros, and if you watched, uh, Kobe Bryant, which is basically the star of this exhibition game, didn't dap him up when he came out, and I find that
0: uh, a little interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, from what I understand, uh, people are getting kind of sick of Drake and Kevin Hart. Like, they were all over the NBA weekend, and I, I think Kevin Hart's hilarious, and I like Drake's music, yeah. but it's saturated. It's to the point where it's like, these guys are getting more publicity than the players, and it's kind yeah. of becoming too much. Yeah. So that was a little disappointing, but you know there was there was one highlight from the weekend, and Mo, give it to me. Uh, so
1: the dunk context, Ooh. would you say that was zero or hero? That
0: was a hero in the biggest sense of the word. It was, it was everywhere. It was quite possibly, if not better, right near the nineteen eighty eight. Michael Jordan Dominique Wilkins slam dunk competition in Chicago. Wow, that's high praise. Yeah, I mean, it was I watched it, it was intense. I I don't even in my, in my mind, it was Zach Levine and Eric Gordon. I don't even remember the other two guys. I mean, I do remember Andre, them. Robbie. Yeah, yeah. He he should have stayed Will home. Bart- and Will, Will Barton, <laughs> he didn't even... He shouldn't have got a 36 on the dunk that he didn't even finish. That That's another whole thing to me. The scoring system needs to be revised completely. But, back to the main two. The dunk-off that just kept going on and on. It, it got better every time. It was amazing. And yeah. And it was so cool because these two guys brought out dunks that had never been seen before. I mean, the, the, the Magic Sofa Ride as I like to call it, when my man put his feet up and hit the recliner and w- put his legs over stuff the Magic Dragon was insane. And you've seen the meme. If you don't like that dunk, you're not a fan of the NBA. Oh,
1: I mean, of course. I mean, I saw the meme. Uh, people still took offense to it because it was kind of a off of Jordan. Everything's a rip off of Jordan. If you're hey, a, if you're a Jordan stan, then you probably took offense. I didn't take offense, but I no. know a lot of people have said, hey, he's getting a little too much pub from this. But you got to understand when Jordan... And uh, Dominique went at it, you know, Twitter wasn't out, Facebook wasn't out. So, of course, now when somebody does something spectacular, which he did, Eric Gordon... It's gonna be out there. People are gonna make memes
0: and whatnot of it. But. Absolutely. I mean, it was great for the NBA. It was great for these two young kids who don't have jump shots. Um, it was. It was a lot of fun. You know, it brought back the NBA NBA weekend because, like we said, the game was whack. Uh, I thought the three point competition was gonna be the most exciting because you had such big names in there, and I think it's unfair to the NBA that the Golden State Warriors have Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. It's just not fair though when you have two guys like that that can shoot.
1: Thing is, I mean, I look at Clay Thompson like the uh, the, the ignored little brother to Steph Curry. Seriously? Uh, Steve Curry came out and said he was rooting for Clay in that competition. And I can kind of see why, because obviously Steph gets all the publicity, Steph gets all the attention. I mean, people come to practice to watch Steph dribble. Yeah. Literally. Like to watch him dribble a basketball, and people are in awe of that. So people forget that Clay Thompson is actually a pretty good shooter. I mean, he. he He's not as accurate as as Steph. I believe it's forty five percent for Steph and forty two percent for Clay from three point land. But Clay Thompson is is no is no slouch. And Steve Kerr vouching for him kind of speaks up to that to say, hey, he this guy, he's a pretty good shooter too.
0: The guy is so fluid. His shot is just a thing of beauty to watch. It he's he's an amazing player. It's it's uh, I just can't believe when you think back a couple years ago that remember when they almost traded him for Kevin Love
1: yeah i remember that i remember that
0: talks of that happening and i'm
1: sure they they're probably happy they didn't do that oh yeah um,
0: well if it wasn't for steve kerr pretty much going up to management and saying no it, it would have and people
1: see and that's the thing people don't give kerr enough credit i mean he i mean they say mark jackson built a team which he he did he built the foundation but kerr kind of took it over the hump oh yeah and i hate to compare him to phil jackson but Phil Jackson came in to team, you know, came into benches and and kind of took teams over the hump after they'd been built. I mean, he took over for Doug Collins in Chicago Well, the Bulls were pretty good, but they needed that extra push. And that's what Phil did, and I, and I correlate that to what Kerr did after Mark Jackson was let go.
0: Absolutely, no. You, it takes you know it takes a certain man to get it to a certain level, and then it takes another one to kind of push all the right buttons. And you know you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, you know you look around the NBA, and and there was something that I that I really read, and obviously it, it came and went, and Carmelo didn't get traded, and he never really was going to because he has that trade kicker. Uh, you know, even if he does get traded, he gets a fifteen percent increase in his uh, in his salary. Now. By Carmelo saying that he's staying in New York and w- and would not essentially take a trade to let's say Cleveland where he was rumored, what does that make him, Mo? In your book?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, it makes him a zero. It makes the it makes <laughs> it a zero for New York fans. Does it do? though? Does it? But it makes him a zero because only because in his situation he's got he's you know he's older in age now. He's been in, in the league for for over a decade, and his knees are deteriorating. So yeah, you gotta look yeah. Look at it as he could have went to Cleveland. And maybe won a championship or stay with the rebuilding project in New York and trust in Phil Jackson. Now I know people love a whole Phil Jackson as a Zen Master and he's gonna get it fixed, but it's to me it's gonna take some time and Carmel Anthony doesn't have that much time. He missed a lot of the season last year with an injury and he you know, he started off slow this year with his with his jump shot and he, he's missed some games leading up to the all-star weekend. So you gotta look at Melo and say, I guess he's he's I mean at least he's loyal.
0: Yeah, no, he he always he really is, uh, you know. He he obviously he was born in New York. He loves the city of New York. He's loyal to it. He's got Porzingis now, so he's got a guy who he can you know he can defer to a guy who people want to play with. I mean, if you listen to uh, Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, and you listen to Durant, this is a kid that they're all very impressed with. But again, if you're the Knicks and you're Carmelo, are you going to wait till this summer to see if Mike Conley comes? Are you going to wait till? Next summer, when Russell Westbrook maybe comes, there's just too many if, whens, buts. And yes, Carmelo keeps saying, I want another superstar. But the Knicks don't really have the assets to trade. And they do have $19 million this year. So you could get somebody in the summer to pair up. But again, Kevin Durant, is he going to leave his current situation to go to the East? With Carmelo, they play the same position even if you move Melo to the four, what do you do with Porzingis? He's not a five, so he just—you've got a logjam of players. I, I did read that they would contemplate trading Robin Lopez, but what, what does that help? And and the rumor was to get Paul Gasol because he would want to mentor uh, Porzingis. There's just again, it, it makes my head spin that there's all these moves potentially being made, but none of them really make sense for the the now, the situation to formulate that starting lineup.
1: Speaking of situations that don't make sense for the now, I'm going to just throw a quick, uh, quick topic at you. Uh, Sacramento Kings fire their assistant coach,
0: Vance Wahlberg, who you probably don't know. Mm-mm, no. Would you say that's a zero or a hero? I, I, uh, the zero? That's just because they didn't want to fire George Carl, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like yeah, like they're, they, Obviously, they're going to have to pay him if they fire him because I don't think anybody else is going to want to hire him right now. That's just a mess between Vladi Divac, I don't, I don't really know how he got the job. I know we played there for many years. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, it's such a volatile situation that, wow. I mean, they were talking about... The,
1: the ironic thing is, and I believe Pedro Siakovic is also there in some type of capacity. He is, yeah. But the funny thing about that situation in Sacramento is everyone expected the team to implode once they brought Rondo in. And you already had DeMarcus Cousins, and you... But they two histories together and you got a volcano erupting basically. So and it is funny,
0: but he's been the calming influence. He's been the guy that's kinda of kept it together that if he weren't there that team may have been, you know, may have pulled a Markeith Morris. But it's not it's not that. It's the exact opposite. This guy has had that calming influence. He's kept kind of boogie, you know, on the on the on the right ship and and, and it's been okay. They're not playing great, but you haven't really heard, you know, the situ the problems that they've had in the past.
1: The thing with the Kings is is that they they have a good team that could they could probably squeak into the playoffs if they just get their heads on straight and just have a, a direct pathway. Yeah, it, It's hard for a team to put everything they have into a, a basketball game. When you have all these rumors swirling. I mean, George Carr at one point was supposed to be getting fired, and then they didn't. Then they like, said, okay, we're going to keep him. Now they get rid of his assistant coach, who, who he, he coveted because he worked with him in Denver. So it's like okay, what is the direction of
0: this team? Where are they going? Yeah, no, it's a mess. I mean, they've they've got Rudy Gay, who they have wanted to trade. They got Ben McLemore again, who was only drafted I think three seasons ago. Then he's looked. They were looking to trade him possibly to the Bulls for Todd Gibson. Again, there's just there's too much. There's too many too much movement or talk of. Look at the teams that are that are perennial contenders, the Spurs, the Golden State Warriors. These are teams that don't have to make moves because they've been assembled correctly. But all these other teams that are continuously looking to finish the puzzle never can get off the board because they don't have the right pieces. So we're we going with Golden State and the and the Cleveland Cats for the
1: NBA Finals for early prediction, or
0: it's the only prediction. I mean, I, I maybe somebody else in the East. I don't know. Maybe if the Bulls get their act together. Maybe if Atlanta can right the ship because they do still have Millsap and Horford. I don't know. There's a lot of maybes, but yeah, there's only two teams in the West. There's only Golden State and San Antonio. That should be the finals right there, but it can't happen. So be it. But yeah, I mean, if 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 Golden State gets there, we all knew that. If if San Antonio does great. The only surprise will be if, if LeBron doesn't get there with his Cavaliers. That'll be the only surprise. And then all hell may break loose. Kevin, Kevin Love may be gone. LeBron may opt out again. I mean, if they don't get there this year, and I don't think they have any chance of winning it with their current makeup, where does that team go? You're going to fire Tyron Lue now? Is it his fault? I think I mean, they're going to hold on to Tyron
1: Lue because that's LeBron's guy, quote-unquote. I know LeBron spoke out and said he wasn't the person behind the firing of David Blatt, which I don't believe. Yeah. But um, they're pretty much behind Tyron Lue for the long haul. They gave him a deal immediately after David Blatt was fired. So they're going to be with him for a while, and I believe the team has the same result as they had last year when they get to the big game, the final game, and then they lose. But um, speak, speaking of big games or getting to the final game and losing, uh, a good buddy. A good buddy. He's, he's a pretty fun-spirited person. Jared Allen uh, posted a... Uh, Posted something that was pretty funny. He riding off into the sunset on his horse and now his retirement. Would you say
0: hero is zero? Absolute, or absolute hero. Not only for that amazing video that he posted, um, it would have helped if it was sunny out, by the way, like he said in the video. But that guy is just a badass to begin with. Uh, just a, a hero because he had an amazing career. I just wish for his sake he would have been on a team before this year that really would have made a run. He was on so many mediocre teams Kansas yeah. City, Chicago. Uh, it just—he never really got the opportunity to be, I uh, kind of, be shown off to the rest of, of the world. You know, NFL fans are one thing, but how many people really saw him play in Minnesota all those years? You know, those games weren't huge national television games. I mean, once in a while on Monday Night Football, uh, he was just you know, uh, kind of a, uh, marched to the beat of his own drum, uh, did his own thing, uh, supposedly from what everything we read, a fantastic teammate, uh, just a good guy, and uh, you know what, he'll be missed, and. Uh, Say you know, obviously Carolina, they've got the pieces to kind of make up for, for his retirement. But I'm sure, you know, losing a guy like that, will you know, it'll, be, it'll take effect.
1: I mean, I'm happy for him. He, he ended up at the, in the right place at the right time. As you say, he played for a bunch of mediocre teams from Kansas City to Minnesota to Chicago. And to get traded midseason from Chicago to Carolina and to go to the actual big game, because a lot of players put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this game, and they don't make it to the big game. So for him to make it and actually be able to play, and remember, he fought off a, a foot injury, a serious foot injury, oh, to yeah. play. Yeah. So for, for him to overcome all that and play, I you know, he rides off to the sunset. It would be good if he had won the game. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't have boarded it. Maybe he, he kind of rides a tricycle off into
0: the sunset. Oh, kind of tries off into the sunset because it wasn't a win.
1: But, he hey, he got to the big game. And I think he's actually going to be in the Hall of Fame because um, there are only two players ahead of him. On the all-time sacks department, that that are not in the Hall of Fame, and Jason Taylor and Kevin Green, but I think Jared, Jared Allen makes it.
0: Yeah, he's a consistency, man. Consistency in the NFL, you know, or in any sport or in life, is just it's the it's the key to greatness, and it's. It's just, uh, he showed that for many, many years, he was a very, you know, he was a guy you could depend on, a very consistent player. But we're going to move on to uh, the team that did win the Super Bowl, a team that I was rooting for for various reasons, not because they're my favorite team, but because John Elway, we've been over this. Uh, Brock Osweiler, he could be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning, but uh, there's a lot of uncertainty right now surrounding the Denver Broncos organization. You know, we all know what's going on with Peyton uh, in that situation, and we understand that they're waiting for him to make a, move as far as what he's going to do next year but the way the denver broncos are treating brock osweiler is a what i would say it's
1: zero yeah because, i mean you're you're putting him on the back burner for a, a going to be 40 year old quarterback i mean even if payton says i'm gonna play another season are you really choosing that over a younger brock osweiler who by the way went five and two and beat a new england an undefeated new england patriots team during the season while Peyton sat on the
0: sidelines so. absolutely I mean I think it's I think it's a little foolish I understand that they want to talk to you know the Super Bowl MVP von Miller first but this is a guy who's like you said five and two he, he's he's set three and a half years behind Peyton so you have to know as an organization what he is capable of. I mean, he is going to want to get paid. He's, you know, we're not talking crazy money, but he's certainly going to want to get what Nick Foles got from the Rams last year when he got a two-year, twenty-four and a half million dollar deal, uh, thirteen million guaranteed. He's definitely going to want to get that. And there's not great free agents on the market this year. I mean, Kaepernick hasn't been cut. Foles hasn't been cut. You've got the likes of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but there's not a lot of names out there, so somebody's gonna overpay Osweiler, maybe maybe Washington, because they certainly have cut down uh, their talks with Kirk Cousins.
1: I actually believe that's gonna pick back up at a certain time. Maybe maybe deals went south for a moment. But if you're if you're looking at a place for Brock Osweiler to go, I would I would keep an eye on Cleveland. Uh very much because they, they got Hugh Jackson there now. Hugh Jackson. Did a great job with Andy Dalton uh, last couple of seasons. He pumped his game up pretty well, so I believe if Osweiler lines up in Cleveland, it could be a good fit for him with that new regime over there.
0: It could, and you know, if he gets uh, Josh Gordon back, who hopefully, you know, can straighten everything out and, and uh, you know can get back to his stellar on-field career, that, w- that would be awesome. Uh, what I did hear is that a backup plan for Denver could be RG3, which makes no sense to me because that is just not the type of offense that uh, that Gary Kubiak runs. He's, he's not a pocket passer. And more than that, I don't even care if he's a pocket passer or not the guy just can't stay healthy so he can't be a number one option it's,
1: it's it's interesting because you're hearing a lot of things from Denver and you really don't know at this point what they're going to settle on I, obviously I ultimately believe they're going to settle on Osweiler but I guess they're like hey if even if we if we can't get him or we you know we, even if we do sign him we, we want a backup plan and you're also hearing they have draft interest in Carson Wentz and and also Dak Prescott so we'll see how that goes. Dak Prescott is more of a dual-threat QB. Carson Wentz more of a pocket passer. But Carson, um, Carson Wentz has also played at North Dakota State. So yeah. not, he hasn't played against top-ranked, you know, competition.
0: Yeah, there's nobody coming out in the NFL draft this year that's that's a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota. These are not guys that are going to take over the team and, you know, win you many games. It's just not. It's just not. I mean, it could be, anything can happen, but... Carson Wentz, who probably has the most prototypical type of uh, NFL ready game, like you said, North Dakota State.
1: You actually see Peyton Manning playing the Rams in Los Angeles if if he comes back yeah. and never says no,
0: yeah, I could because you know the guy—he's got a little bit of an ego. I mean, he's rightfully so. He's been to four Super Bowls. He's won two. It's L.A. He can—he can make even we can open up a, a couple more dozen Papa Johns in L.A. and make a whole lot more money. I mean, DirecTV—the headquarters is right there. The guy's an actor now, it seems, and you and, know and it makes everything better, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Uh, for a guy that lived there for six years, L.A. is a beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I have a love-hate relationship with the. Same- City. But uh, when you're Peyton Manning, I'm sure it would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, that team is still that team is still going to be very poor uh, unless they get some serious offensive weapons that aren't named Todd Gurley.
1: Of course. I mean, speaking of L.A. making things better, L.A. Uh, didn't make things better for one team or didn't have a chance to. Uh, the Oakland Raiders actually agreed to a deal with the uh, Open Coliseum. To stay with options in 2017
0: and 18, do you see that as a hero zero? I see it as a hero. Um, we all know that the Raiders used to be in L.A. You know, back in the 80s, the Marcus Allen years, but I see it for the people of Oakland as, as a big-time win. Obviously, that stadium, I've never been, but I'm a huge baseball fan, and I've only heard monstrous stories from the Oakland Athletics, and I can only imagine uh, when you transform it into a football stadium how poor it plays. Uh, I've heard of locker rooms overflowing, sewage coming up from the drains. I mean, that's disgusting. I mean, this is an NFL organization that is worth over a billion dollars. Uh, they shouldn't have to play like that. But for, for the city of Oakland, it's great. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see them back in L.A. I think the Chargers should really make that move. I could see Las Vegas if we can get over the hump of, of gambling because people think that uh, professional athletes don't gamble. There, there. That's funny. <laughs> um,
1: but, but yeah. I mean, if you look at it with Vegas, I mean, people, people stigmatize Vegas as saying, "Oh, that's that's gamble central." But gambling is not everywhere, and the NFL just needs to get over it. You know, gambling does happen. They have the odds around fandle and DraftKings. So why not a team in Vegas? Yeah. But in the heart of hearts, I would like to see the open Raiders stay in Oakland. It, it, it could happen. It, it may not happen because uh, Mark Davis, the owner, pointed out that the Oakland Athletics team is actually kind of like a, a fork in the road for them because they have a 10-year lease there. And the Raiders basically want their own state. They want their own field. I mean, I'm tired of watching the Raiders and watching them play on a baseball field. No offense to the A's, yeah, but the yeah. Raiders need their own space.
0: No, they do. It's very true. The, the days of baseball and football stadiums being conjoined and, and teams sharing and, t- and football teams playing on infield dirt, it just doesn't work. It's not safe. Um, It, it, it looks stupid. And it's, right. you know, it's, it's yeah, It's are 2016. Everybody should, you know, have their own stadium. And unfortunately, yeah, the city of Oakland's going to have to fork over some money or, or the Davis family is going to have to go in their pockets and, and figure out a way because this team is is one of the NFL's great organizations and it needs to be treated as so.
1: And their fans deserve something brand new, fresh. I mean, their fans have been there through, th- through thick and thin. They're in the black hole cheering the team on, Absolutely. Some losing seasons, some horrible seasons.
0: And you know what? This is a team on on the up and up. I mean, you've got right. you've got some studs. Uh, you know, you, it's time to invest in the club. I mean, you know, you've got the probably the sweetest uniforms in the NFL, and so you know, put them on a field that they they deserve to play on.
1: Problem is, uh, Mark Davis is not exactly lined with cash as most of the other NFL owners. So he, he, you know, typically he's gonna, not typically, but he's gonna need a lot of help
0: yeah. financing a new stadium and getting that done. That's very true. Let's, uh, let's finish this off with a note of, uh, of warning to, uh, to everyone that goes out to a nightclub. And decides that they want to pop off. As you've all heard by now, Buffalo Bills running back Shady McCoy is allegedly to have been involved in an altercation where two off-duty Philadelphia police officers were critically injured. Uh, one has a fractured skull, multiple fractured ribs. What is this, and I don't even know if I have to ask, what does this make Shady McCoy? Probably a negative 20.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, he's a zero for that. I mean, the guy, he's hes a franchise. He was a franchise player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Chip Kelly traded him over to, to the Buffalo Bills, and people were like, what? What, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And now Chip Kelly's probably holding up his arm saying, well. This told you is, so. Told, exactly. I told you so. Yep. This is why I let him go. Yep. I mean, we can never foresee what a player's gonna do off the field, but obviously it looks bad on McCoy's part to, to go to Buffalo, to get into trouble because the Buffalo Bills, they weren't a great team, but they had something going with their backfield. They had the ground and pound going with Rex Ryan. Carlos Williams came in to pair with LaShawn McCoy, and they had a really nice duo going on. And for him to get in trouble and to put himself in this pos- position, predicament, it, it's just its a fat zero. And, nothing good to say about it really
0: no this is the same guy that had an all-female sleepover last year at his buffalo area mansion and he had his boys sending out legally binding flyers and waivers for women to sign that i mean there's something off uh hey it was very Floyd Mayweather issue yeah it's a little it's <laughs> super creepy and uh somebody needs to get a hold of this guy and just be like you're gonna ruin your career i mean maybe it's not that important to you at this this point that you've, you got paid you're doing your thing but you just you just look like you just look like a guy who's looking for trouble
1: I mean as it is running backs have a short career span. So if he if he's gonna be off the field for an extended amount of time, then you gotta question what's you know what's next for him. This is the rapper.
0: Here we are. This is a little fun segment Ma, Mo and I have put our heads together and come up with. It's called The Wrap-Up. And what we're going to try to do is just give you some uh, some things in the world of pop culture, sports, whatever it is that we find is newsworthy to, just, to, just to bring to your world. Does that sound good to you, Mo? Sounds cool. great.
1: We're, we're, we're well-rounded folks here. So we're we trying to give you guys some, a little bit of sports, a little bit of pop, a little bit of everything in between.
0: All right. So we're going to start off with what seems to be the movie of the moment, the movie of... Uh, what is this? We're in now. Uh, February, almost March. Uh, Deadpool. Have you seen it yet, Mo? I
1: have not seen it, but judging by my Facebook and Twitter feeds, I, I better go see
0: it. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're like the only person in North America that, that hasn't yet. It's um, it's <laughs> Ow. it's oh, yeah. You should you should feel the burn because it's it's awesome. Um, I uh, I was never like a huge Ryan Reynolds guy. Like, obviously, I've watched him since he was on that show, Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. Anybody? Anybody? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Um anyways <laughs> it was good. Um it was a great movie. It was, uh, it was. I was telling my fiance, I was like, "Yeah, it's a superhero film, and it's not really a superhero film." And he even makes. A, he even makes reference to that in the film, Deadpool. That is. Um, he is the anti-superhero. He is the superhero that you've always wanted to see because he speaks his mind and he has a filthy mouth, and it's it's fantastic. Um, it's also. It's, yeah, it's also kind of a date movie, which is kind of cool as well. So you kind of get a little bit of everything. My fiance didn't think she was gonna like it, and it turned out. She loved it so. Either
1: if, if women like it and aren't that much into comics, I don't know if your fiance is into it that much. But if women like it, then it's gotta be a go see that. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, I'm sure they like looking at Ryan Reynolds, which doesn't hurt. But no, more than that, it's funny. I mean, it's it's it is kind of gory. I mean, let's just be let's just be honest. Call it it is what it is. But then again, Ryan Reynolds. He's a he's a happy-go-lucky Canadian. He's married to Blake Lively. He's got a he's got a, a sports connection where he's from BC, Vancouver, and his good friend is Steve Nash and Steve Nash owns the Vancouver Whitecaps. So when you can kind of combine all of those things into one, it, it's a win in my book.
1: Yeah, so I guess I know what I'm doing over the you know in the
0: coming days, yep. or else I might say I'm a loser for you, not. Not a loser, just uh, entertainment deficiency that you currently have. So <laughs> the other thing that that I read today is my boy, and we uh, if you know me, you know me from my music days, you know me from writing things on uh, the Push Playbook on Mentality Media. I have a bit of a man crush on Justin Timberlake, and I'm not afraid to share that with anyone. But uh, it kind of pains my soul that today I find out that him and Will I am are being sued. And this is not the first time. Uh, Timberlake was hit with a suit last year. Uh, him and Jay Z were actually uh, sued for plagiarizing uh, suit and tie. So this Brooklyn? one. Yeah, Brooklyn, my boy. So this comes out <laughs> that he's being sued uh, claiming that his song Damn Girl from the 2006 Future Sex Love Sounds album is too similar to a disco track called A New Day Is Here at Last. And what I want to do is I want to play you the song and so you can, Mo, so you can understand how close. Because when I heard it, I was like, maybe maybe he did take this so listen to this here's uh, here's the Timberlake here's the Timberlake uh, damn girl official audio all right so obviously you got that it's called damn girl right mm-hmm. okay okay now here's the JC Davis a new day uh, from 19 I believe it was 1969. My God. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's the same song. So,
1: so your boy could be your boy is a thief. Um, uh,
0: well, I would, right. I, I, am gonna blame Will I Am because he produced that that track. Um, so, ah. but I will, I will blame Timberlake that he needs to figure out beforehand that he agrees he wants to record a song that somebody else might have done it before.
1: Mm-hmm. right
0: because that I is mean, the same song he's equally as accountable
1: he's he, I mean you got to know what you're doing got to know what you're getting into so hey I mean I I would blame the equally accountable for that
0: yeah that's, that's, that's your man crush yeah part. that's a shame I'm, I'm a little hurt by that but again we'll give it up to him because JT does own uh he owns 2.84 uh, percent of the Memphis Grizzlies you know how much he had to spend to buy 2.84 percent? Uh, a couple of million? Five. Five million. So okay. I think if you and I can put together $5 million, let's say in like 10 years, we could possibly own like 0.7% of the Knicks.
1: So guys, we need your help with the show. If you want to send in donations, mm-hmm. if you, know, you, wanna, you want some real Nick people, some real NBA heads to take over the Knicks and point them into, you know, stardom. You know, yes. Yeah. Put a donation in for, for the a Mike and Mo show. Yeah, we're we'll down for you. We'll take over the next.
0: We're gonna make a GoFundMe account, and uh, James Dolan will have to let us buy something, even if it's like the valet uh, at Madison Square Garden. We will own something one day.
1: You start small. You know, you gotta start small and work your way up. yeah hey. We get the valet. We we take charge of merchandise, maybe the food or something like that. Absolutely. The you know,
0: system. you, you got you to gotta, you gotta get to the president of operations somehow. And if it starts at, you know, shoveling uh, the sidewalks on a snowy day outside MSG, it is what it is. Hey. You know, we do have one more thing that came over for Twitter for Mo. Uh, we're going to call this one question for Mo. And it comes from uh, a diehard fan of uh, your... I'm not going to call them your Oakland Raiders because, I mean, you're a Jets fan. At least that's what you used to be.
1: I'm actually equally, you know, my allegiance is split equal down the middle between the Jets and the Raiders. I only have that split only because I'm in New York City. So as a kid, I didn't have access to watch the Raiders from New York City. So let's
0: get that ironed out first. I'm equally a Jets person as I am a Raiders person. All right. Uh, I'll, voice, I'll accept it. Like, I'll yeah. accept it. Because I tell people I'm a Jets-Giants fan, but that makes a little more sense because I grew up in New York. And, um, yeah, I just do. So, But regardless, <laughs> there's a question, Mo. What is the one sport you could play at a professional level if this, uh, this writer writes in, if they gave you six months of intense training with a former great of said sport?
1: Interesting. I would say definitely point guard in the NBA. What? Uh, what? Yes. What? God, NBA, I could take Jose Calderon's job in six
0: oh. months
1: if I got some training. I, I really could. I'd take wow. over. I'm not saying I'd be in the all-star game, but I'd be an upgrade, definitely. Well, lucky. First of all, I could shoot. You know, I play very good defense
0: in my day. How tall are you, Mo? Hey, I, hey, that's not it. How tall are you, Mo? 5'7". Oh, stop eight. it. Three quarters, <laughs>
1: Alright, we we can put, put some lifts in my sneakers, I'll be
0: about five nine, alright? So you're the Darren you're the Darren Sproles of the hardwood.
1: Hey and Darren Sproles, hey, Darren Sproles is a player. Yeah, that
0: guy's a beast. He's like uh, two hundred and twenty pounds. You know, just just you know, give me a personal chef, you know?
1: And, and I'm chef. good. A personal chef and a, and, a, and a coach. i a coach. I, you know, I'll be ready in six
0: months. And some and some HGH and. Um... <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> hey 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 hey. hey. I
1: don't, I don't, I'm natural. Too oh,
0: soon? Man. Too soon yeah. for that? Yeah. little,
1: well, you know, weights. Yeah. Little weights. You know, I'm. am an ectomorph, but you know, I can get it done still.
0: Ectomorphs? That's from Ghostbusters. <laughs> Mike has a uh, Mike. Hey, because Mike is a giant, by the way. Mike is what? I'm huge. I'm actually six foot one. Okay, first of all. Really? So yeah, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Well, see, see, Mo doesn't realize this because we haven't stood next to each other yet. But yeah, I'm six one. I may only be 177 pounds, but I'm six one. Yeah.
1: Look at his photo, guys. If you if you have a log on a Twitter, just take a look at his Twitter handle. And and Mike doesn't look that big. I believe he's adding on some inches. No,
0: I'm not. I'm really not. I I I'm tall. I used to be really lanky back in the day. Like when I was first in college. Play baseball. So you got to be. You got to be lean and lanky. I played center field. And, yeah, I'm fast. Like, even now when I play softball in the old men league, like, yeah, I'm still getting out there shagging flies. And I'm not saying I'm Mike Trout or anything or, you know, that I'm going to be the starting point guard for the Orlando Magic. But, you know, I'm just, it just is what it is. Hey, 5'7", I
1: play above my high level. 5'7". Okay? So just... You
0: better at 5'7". Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well we appreciate your uh we appreciate your tweets keep them coming one question for mo if you ever have one question for mike then you know i'll think about it you know we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, that's it for episode one of the mike and mo show we hope you had as much fun as we did so stay tuned like i said this is going to be coming out every tuesday we do record it one week in advance so we look forward to uh you guys coming in for episode two thanks again we'll talk soon and uh everyone have a, have a great week